superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When it comes to football, it sure is a wise this is the Rich Eisen Show. Mm-hmm. Rich Eisen. Thank you so much. Great show. Great show. Who then admitted it's tough to rhyme with Eisen? The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Helly. Today's guests, host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. USC head coach, Andy Enfield. Plus, Oregon head coach, Dana Altman. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Dan Helly. What is up, everybody? Glad to be back here once again on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helly filling in, and we got the full crew in the house today. Chris Brockman, Mike Del Tufo, TJ Jefferson also in the house. What is going on, fellas? Hey, buddy, what's cracking? What's happening? There's TJ right there. He's working on my uh, my earpiece. We got a little sideways here before the show started because I'm fascinated with this whole Top Shot thing. This uh, these are it's digital. Nuts. It's nuts. They're basically clips of video. <laughs> yes. That the NBA and who are they doing this with, Brockman? What what company is putting Top Shots out there? Is it called Top Shots? Uh, great great question. I got my first pack yesterday. It'd be taking me a while to kind of bust through, but I was able to get in line. Uh, had a good number and was able to uh, get one of the common packs that dropped yesterday. Okay, so help me and the listening audience understand exactly what Top Shots is. When you say a pack, these are just a yeah, bunch so of different video clips. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like uh, when, you, when you were kids or even now it's super popular. You go to the store, you get a pack of baseball cards. There's five uh, cards in it and you open it up and you pray that you get something awesome. That's kind of what Top Shot is. You, they have packs, uh, different levels. This was a super lower level base pack. And you you hit click open on your computer, and out pops five video moments. So I was able to score kind of a cool Steph Curry last night, uh, Clint Capella dunk, a Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, cool move, and then you hope to resell those at a profit. That's kind of what we're doing this now for. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really I mean, nuts. I, I don't really understand it. It's they're kind of in the beta phase, so it's like they've had a lot of glitches and a lot of kind of technical difficulties here in the early going because it's gotten so popular. There were 300,000 people waiting in line for this pack drop yesterday, and they only had 67,000 packs. Do some math. The, re- the reason this it's is so fascinating nuts. is because these things, you'll buy them for a couple hundred bucks, and then two days later, they'll be uh, a couple thousand dollars. So Correct. Uh, a lot of... A lot of gambling also going on it's when it comes fun. to the uh, to the NCAA tournament, man. We are set in the Sweet 16. Um, it is not exactly what uh, what we expected, but the new odds are out, and this is what we expected in terms of the team having the best odds being Gonzaga. Three number ones have made it. <laughs> Baylor, Michigan also win. However, I found this to be rather interesting. Houston, number two seed. Eight to one odds to win it all. Michigan, the number one seed, ten to one, which is the same oh. as Alabama. 
Interesting. Yeah, so I found that uh, I found that to be a little bit surprising. I have Alabama in the Final Four, but I had Illinois winning the whole thing. How are they doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> About as well as Ohio State was doing. Uh, it was funny when Rich uh, tweeted out that uh, interview that we had. Said I would have delved a little deeper. Um, yeah, he would have went after into the team that beat Ohio State. <laughs> so the Pac-12 has four teams in: Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, USC. USC handed Kansas their worst tourney loss ever. 34 points they beat the Jayhawks by. Uh, Prior to this game, the Jayhawks had never lost a tournament game by more than 18. Look at the Pac-12's record in the tournament. And what on earth happened to the Big Ten? This was supposed to be the best basketball conference in all the land. 7-8, Michigan the only team remaining. And oh, by the way, Michigan, the consensus weakest number one seed. They have made it to the Sweet 16 for the fourth season in a row. Congratulations to all Michigan fans, including the man who normally mans this seat. So I know he's a uh, happy camper right Absolutely, now. Absolutely, man. You know how many Big Ten titles, the, the Big Ten, how many national titles the Big Ten has since 1990? Throw, throw out, you know, nothing the Fab Five did counted, right? Well, they never uh, actually they never won actually championships. Won it, so. Right, so... I initially for, I had forgotten that, so I go, oh yeah, they, they no, they didn't. They no, won. they, they didn't. The they, they, they lost they in the championship win. both right. years with uh, with their full complement of players. I, I don't I actually don't know. It, did Illinois win a championship back in the no, day? No, Michigan State in two thousand. Two thousand. That's right. Yeah. That's it. Indianapolis. That's the only one. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's their only national championship since nineteen ninety. Uh, we are going to be talking as we did yesterday to a couple of head coaches who are still alive. Andy Enfield from USC. Taking the Trojans back to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2007. Of course, it is his second trip to the Sweet 16. It was eight years ago he took Florida Gulf Coast to the Sweet 16, and obviously that ended up uh, helping him get the job here at USC. Oregon head coach Dana Altman going to be on the show. Ducks put up 56 in the first half, throttled Iowa, and despite a tremendous effort from Luca Garza, he had... 36 points. And as we take a look at the uh, the guests coming up, Sam Amick from The Athletic and Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. We're going to delve uh, a little deeper into this Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, what does that mean for Deshaun? Where do we go from here from a legal standpoint? Mike Florio uh, practiced law for 17 years. So sure did. nobody better to talk to than our uh, Peacock brother here. Uh, Pro Football Talk, Pro Football Talk PM here on the Peacock Network. Um NFL news, besides that, we have Sammy Watkins meeting with the Ravens and the Colts. Watkins coming off a career low 421 yards. How old do you think Sammy Watkins is? How old? How old? Seems like he's been around a long time, right? He actually had one of the coolest uh, draft day moments. He got on the stage, did the old bear hug with Roger Goodell, and then took a selfie. Do you remember that? Yeah. He yeah. was like, the first guy that to That was kinda... an early, early selfie. Yeah, he early. was one of the first guys yeah. to really kind of do that and make that moment. I'm going to say he's 29. Oh, he's, I'd say 25. Or 27. How about we meet in the middle? Let's meet in the middle. <laughs> I was going to say 28. Yeah. He's 27 years old. I, I thought he was creeping on 30. Uh, so yeah, I thought he was 29, 30-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's a young draft. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he only had one 1,000-yard season. And in the last five years, he's only had one year with more than – 673 yards. One year. He gets a lot of love. I mean, I think it's the speed. It's intoxicating. Um, I think also people are probably still hoping that he's got Could turn that, into something? Yeah, that's going to kind of reach that well, promise that we thought when he was Let me tell those people drafted. that are hoping. 
If you play with Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and don't turn into that guy, then you're never going to turn into that guy. No right. offense to Sammy Watkins. <laughs> Although, true. if I'm going... With all due respect, yeah, Sammy Watkins. If I'm choosing, if you're a receiver and you're choosing between the Ravens with Lamar, who never puts up big passing numbers, right? Right. You know, Hollywood Brown kind of struggled with him last mm. year. And Mark Andrews has done some nice things. Or, or the Colts with Carson Wentz. And you don't know which Carson Wentz you're going to get. You're going to get the guy who had the MVP caliber season a couple of years ago, or you're going to get the Carson Wentz who might have been the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Which one are you going to get? Where do you go? I think I'm, I think I'm probably going to the Ravens. I think I'm going to the team that I think can be better and win. Also, maybe a little more pass-catching opportunities there. There seem to be a lot of receivers and a lot of talented, skilled position players on Indianapolis, right? Not at really an elite pass catcher on the Ravens outside of Mark Andrews. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have Pittman there. T.Y. Hilton's a free agent. You know, I don't know if they're a ton, but no, I, I get where you're coming from there. Yeah. Um, elsewhere around the NFL, Dory Jackson signed for the Giants. Three years, $39 million. Um, This was interesting to me. Released by the Titans, they, they released three quarters of their secondary. Uh, they, they owed him $10 million in the final year of his rookie deal, so they wanted to save a little money there. Yeah. Um, He's going to team with former teammate Logan Ryan, who the Giants actually brought in to recruit him. James Bradbury, who's coming off a Pro Bowl year, went from the uh, Panthers to the Giants via free agency and Jabril Pepper. So I, I suddenly like that secondary. This is getting really interesting for the Giants, by the way. Dave Gettleman going all in. Besides the Patriots, it's the Giants who have spent a massive amount of money, over $200 million in contracts. You know, they got Kenny Galladay, Resign Leonard Williams, Adoree, they also signed Rudolph and the speed merchant John Ross. No more excuses for Daniel Jones. Nobody's had more turnovers in the last two years. He's played 26 games. He's had 39 turnovers in two seasons. He was one of the lowest rated quarterbacks in the NFL. He was 30th in QB rating. He had 11 touchdown passes. I don't I, I know he wasn't playing with a full arsenal, full complement of players on the offensive side of the ball. But in the National Football League, 11 touchdown passes. And by the way, in the NFC East, which wasn't exactly the most competitive division last year. Not great. Not great. This is a absolute make-it-or-break-it year for Daniel Jones. The offense ranked 31st in the NFL. And they're getting him help. You know, the Giants have used top six picks in the last three drafts on Saquon, Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, and now they have a number one receiver in Kenny Galladay. They get Saquon, who, when healthy, could be the most electric running back in football. It is put-up-or-shut-up time for the New York football giants. They are suddenly, in my mind, one of the more interesting teams in the NFL because you have Washington, who has vastly improved themselves. Uh, I I think that they're going to be, obviously, better and more interesting with Ryan Fitzpatrick, a quarterback. They still have some work to do on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they have the potential to be great. Dallas still the best team in the division, but not by far. And the Eagles, as we talked about a little bit yesterday, still have a lot of work to do. Russell Wilson wants some help in Seattle. Yeah, he does. You know what he wants? He wants Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. He wanted Antonio Brown last year. He did. He still wants Antonio Brown again. He could slip in and replace David Moore, I think, as the Seahawks Number one wide receiver. You got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett there. And then all of a sudden you have Antonio Brown. Now, how much do you have to take into account the ongoing legal issues 
that Antonio Brown is still dealing with. I don't think that ideally the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wanted to do that, but they did it because Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown. They signed Antonio Brown, and he contributed to that team. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Sure did. Mm -hmm. He helped them win the Super Bowl. Brought the Lombardi Trophy back for the first time since John Gruden won that uh, seemingly forever ago with those those great Hall of Fame players on defense and Warren Sapp and Derrick Brooks and Brad Johnson at quarterback and all those guys. If you're the Seahawks, do you seriously consider bringing in Antonio Brown due in part to the fact that it could help repair your relationship with Russell Wilson? Maybe, but isn't the biggest issue that Russ is having with the team right now is that he's getting hit too much? So I don't know if bringing in Antonio Brown is going to help him take less hits, less sacks, less running around like a madman in the backfield. Yeah. You know what would help him do that? Um, maybe just get rid of the football. You know? Maybe oh, drop oh. back and in two and a half seconds throw the football on time and deliver it instead oh. of maybe running around. Oh. You know? Hell, but shots fired. That mm. could help him because <laughs> he would help <laughs> guys get open. No, I've had this, I've had this conversation with, with a lot of guys, and we had Sean O'Hara on the – on the helipod a couple of weeks ago, and he he said, "Listen, when you sit there and you and you pat the baby, right? You know, it's yeah. it makes it difficult for the offensive line to protect because obviously, O'Hara, Eli Manning's former center with the Giants, very good one at that. Uh, you know, did not right. take kindly to you know the uh, the daggers that were tossed at the offensive lineman. Uh, elsewhere around the NFL, Panthers signing former uh, or Falcons signing former Panthers running back to a five point five million dollar." Deal. Alabama had their pro having their pro day today. Uh, Mike, uh, they're having their pro day today. It's Devonte Smith. Okay, um, yeah, big issue about his weight yesterday. Yeah, what do you think about that? He weighed in at mm-hmm. one seventy. Actually, had a had a pretty um, well respected wide receiver come to his defense. Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, said, "I played my whole career at one seventy. Wasn't a problem for me. I don't think it's a big deal for." For Devontae Smith. Okay, by the, way, by the way, Chad Ochocinco, at what point in his life did he weigh 170? I heard him say that. He said it online yesterday. I don't know, maybe early in his career when he was making all pro teams, perhaps? I'm yeah, not sure. I I'm, I'm trying to think back. Was it Oregon State? I just don't remember him weighing that much. By the way, I didn't say the name. Mike Davis was the Panthers running back that the Falcons did sign. So I looked up a list of guys, right? So here's the difference, I think, with Devontae Smith is he's listed at 6'1", which means he's probably about 6 feet, right? Probably. So 6 feet 170 probably. is slight. It's, it's borderline frail, right? You have some guys who were, who were thin. Marvin Harrison was 6 feet a buck 85. He was a little guy, right? He was a little guy. T.Y. Hilton. Deshaun Jackson's 5'10", 175. Deshaun Jackson's lucky if he's 175. Yeah, no, I think you're right. So he's a little, but, but they're, all, they're all much shorter. Yeah. Um, and the question, I guess, with Devontae, too, is, is how fast is he? He's not going to work out at the pro day. Um, he's not going to run. But uh, maybe. He looked fast all season long, man, catching bombs from Mac Jones, yeah, scoring I, touchdowns. I, I, I don't really have a concern with him in terms of the weight. I think it's pretty easy for a kid his age to hit the weight room and put on 10 pounds real quick of pure muscle. I think he could do that before the season started with six months uh, of lead time here. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little. I think it's a little tougher for the speed guys. But Top ten pick, you know, to what we were talking about yesterday a little bit with no combine and being more difficult front offices to evaluate players. Just turn on the tape with this guy. Yeah, I mean, just turn on the tape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, can, he can play football. Exactly. You know, uh, and I, I think you're right, Deshaun Jackson. I he probably weighs about 150 pounds. Yeah, and nobody tracks the ball better than Deshaun Jackson. 
Uh, NBA news, trade deadline coming up on Thursday. We're going to uh, talk to Sam Amick, Lonzo Ball, maybe heading somewhere. Aaron Gordon, definitely on the trading block. He wants to go to a winner. Uh, who doesn't? Denver, Portland, Boston, all among those in the mix. And congratulations. Golf clap for the Houston Rockets. They, they did s- it. Guys, they did it. They snapped their 20-game losing streak. They did it. 20-game losing streak. You know what the NBA record is for losing streaks? 28 games over two seasons. That was a 76ers. Single game record, 26 by Philly and by Cleveland. So congratulations to the Rockets. Don't the Rockets have the record for longest win streak? They may. I mean, how many teams in league history have a 20-plus game win streak and the losing streak? That's a great question. That's That's... We're going to look that up I'm in our look, next commercial I mean, break. I'm going to look this up because it can't be many. can't be many. I may look it up right now because we're going to take a break. Today's guest list, Florio, Amick, Enfield, and Altman coming up. Dan Helley filling in on the Rich Eisen Show. We are back right after this. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed it's that time of year people spring has sprung And that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Show. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley filling in for Rich. Very happy to be joined now by Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, Pro Football Talk Live, and Pro Football Talk PM on the Peacock Network, along with the Rich Eisen Show. Mike, you on? Dan, what's up, man? How are you? Man, I have been reading your stuff. What did you start? I, I, 20 years ago? How long has Pro Football Talk been around? I stumbled into the business in June of 2000, launched PFT November 1, 2001. So the 20-year non-celebration is coming up later this year. <laughs> the 20-year non-celebration. 
Golf clap for you, my friend. Congratulations. It is a, uh, a must read. Had Peter King on yesterday and Pro Football Talk and Peter King's column. Uh, two must reads all the time. Uh, well, let's, let's dig in. I was watching a little bit of you earlier today uh, with Chris Sims, also a big fan of Chris, and, and you talked a little bit about the Deshaun Watson situation, which continues to get worse and worse for Deshaun. And I think there's nobody better on in the country to talk about this situation than Mike Florio since you practice law for 17 years. Um, if you're his lawyer right now, what are you telling Deshaun Watson to do? I, I'm telling Deshaun Watson, why didn't you listen to me a month ago when I told you that we should settle these claims? Now, I, I, I say that only half facetiously. You know, any advice I would give Deshaun Watson would be premised upon my belief that he's innocent of what he's accused of doing. I would not want to represent him if I thought he was guilty of what he did. And I understand that everyone has a right to an attorney and eventually there will be if you're prosecuted a criminal defense lawyer who is there with the mission of forcing the government to prove all elements of all charges beyond a reasonable doubt we all have a constitutional right to to just sit there and say nothing and force the government to prove that we did something above that very high bar in a civil setting you don't have those same protections in a civil setting it's a much lower standard and i would not be an effective advocate if I didn't believe in him completely and entirely. And frankly, if I were called in right now to help Deshaun Watson, the first thing I'd want to do is line up a polygraph, and I'd want to make sure that he's telling the truth before I give him any advice and before I attach myself to something that ultimately would affect my reputation, my integrity, if I'm going to stand up and say he didn't do it. That's how far this has gone, with 14 lawsuits and 24 total women who are making these allegations. I would need to be 100% convinced that he's innocent before moving forward. And with each additional lawsuit that emerges, I think it's harder and harder to get to the point where you would believe that nothing happened in every single one of those instances. 14 women, as you mentioned, 24 uh, could eventually come forward, according to the the lawyer, uh, Tony Busby, who is filing all of these lawsuits. Um, for the NFL, there is an investigation that is, that is already underway. Um, what are the options for the league at this point if this plays out for a month, two months, three months? The NFL has very broad power, Dan, to basically do whatever it believes is the right thing in any given situation. And the personal conduct policy is something that was created by PR concerns. 99.9% of the employers in America take the position that you keep working until you can't work because you're in jail. And if you plead guilty and you serve probation or if you're sued and you lose, that doesn't affect your employment. The NFL created a personal conduct policy that regulates the things that players do on their personal time when they're not at work because the NFL wants to be able to say we have responsible members of society who don't go around engaging in misconduct. So the NFL has to decide at what point the PR concerns require something more than just an investigation. Does the NFL reach its own conclusion, which the NFL now does post-Ray Rice? The NFL no longer defers to what the justice system ultimately decides. Will the NFL decide to put Deshaun Watson on paid leave while these 14 cases go forward and whatever prosecution potentially may happen? That's something that Tony Busby's trying to instigate in Houston, although I don't think 
prosecution is viable here because of the very high standard of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But these are various options available to the NFL, and I think it's driven by which way the wind's blowing and how hard the wind is blowing and how much of a distraction the NFL thinks this is. But one potential outcome here is the Texans can't trade Deshaun Watson, and he gets placed on paid leave, and he gets paid his full salary this year to not play for the Houston Texans while everyone waits and sees how these cases play out. And just to be clear, my perception on everything I've heard and read is that the Texans, obviously, as the rest of us, totally blindsided by this, right? There was, there, they did not see this coming. They didn't see it coming. Now, there's a fair question to be asked on whether or not they got a heads up from Tony Busby. I was not convinced by his explanation at his press conference last week when he acted like he didn't know the first name of the guy who owns the team. You can't be a Houston lawyer, very prominent, a guy who ran for mayor, and not know that Cal McNair is the owner of the local NFL team. When he says Cal or Hal or whatever his name is, that to me is just one of those, one of those things that doesn't get through the crap filter and makes me say something's going on here. And that's something I've been trying to explain to people. There doesn't have to be a conspiracy theory at play here. It's as simple as Tony Busby, as part of his due diligence, when he's evaluating this lawsuit, calling up someone he knows with the Texans, and just saying, do you know anything about this? Have you heard about this kind of behavior? This is a heads-up for you that there's an issue that's quite possibly going to end up with a lawsuit being filed, and they can say this is all off the record, this conversation didn't happen. We know stuff like that happens all the time. But I'm not buying the idea that the Texans were caught as flat-footed as we are. I would guess they knew something was percolating before last Tuesday night when the first lawsuit was filed. Dan Helley sitting in for Rich Eisen talking to Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Uh, as a lawyer, Mike, you see the way Tony Busby has approached this, and it, it is Deshaun Watson being tried in the court of public opinion because of how public Busby has been about everything, posting a lot of different things on Instagram, including the letter he got from the NFL saying that they were beginning to investigate. Um Right, wrong, indifferent, how do you feel about how Busby's approached this? I don't like it. It doesn't mesh with my own personal style, but it also has been very effective in large part because there's been no response in the court of public opinion. It's basically a no-show by Deshaun Watson and whoever is advising him legally and or on a PR front because it's been Busby unrebutted, getting his message out there, saying things that I don't think are credible. When he calls a press conference to say that this isn't about publicity, during a press conference, (laughs) right? And, And when he says it's not about the money and he tries to convince the average person who's listening that we've only asked for the jurisdictional minimum to get through the courthouse door, well, that gets you through the courthouse door. And using those words justifies the court having the case in the first place, but when you look at the lawsuits carefully, he's not limiting any potential recovery to $500, which is the jurisdictional minimum. He wants everything he can get, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how the civil justice system works. That's how the powerless gets an even playing field with the powerful. If the powerful wrong the powerless, the powerless have the ability to secure a verdict that forces the powerful to pay and deters others from engaging in similar behavior. But from a PR standpoint, saying it's not about the money, saying it's not about publicity, those are things that presumably advance the cause. And again, it's worked because it's everything Busby said 
everything that's in these lawsuits, unchallenged and unrebutted in the court of public opinion, and with so many plaintiffs at this point, it becomes very difficult for the average person who hears about this to say anything other than he's guilty. And again, in a court of public opinion, the jurors are all of us, and they have the right to reach whatever conclusions they want whenever they want. Last question about the Watson situation for you, Mike. In terms of civil versus criminal right now, everything is civil. Uh, Obviously, it would ratchet up if it became a criminal case. Um, Is that the next step here from, from a legal standpoint? Well, that's what Busby wants to do as part of his PR effort. And by doing this now, see, it's very brilliant because it short circuits the PR argument that some are making. And this is not this is not a valid legal argument, but the well, why didn't they go straight to the police defense or suggestion? Well, they're going now. There's no requirement that they immediately go. They're going now and they're doing it together. And Busby is facilitating it. He's asking for the local prosecutor to investigate this case and impanel a grand jury. But the problem is this. The prosecutor may look at these cases and say, how can I ever prove beyond a reasonable doubt when it's Deshaun Watson's word against the word of the person regarding activities that occur during the inherently intimate process of a massage? How can I prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he crossed the line? And, you know, people think the judge in a given town is the most powerful person. The prosecutor is the most powerful person. The judge only handles what someone puts in his or her courtroom. The prosecutor is the one who decides with broad, almost unfettered discretion who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. And most prosecutors will only take on cases that they know they can win. All right, let's move on to free agency uh, quickly, Mike. They uh, have spent a lot of money, have the Patriots and, and the Giants, and I think everybody has spent more money than we anticipated. Uh, Peter King laid out how every team has a third of the money to spend that they had a, a year ago, yet we're seeing some massive contracts here. Is there one particular contract or maybe two that really caught your attention? Well, you lump in the Giants and the Patriots together, and they've got the obvious connections from their past Super Bowls, but I think the Patriots, with all the contracts they signed, they knew exactly what the market was for these players ahead of time. Shocking tampering happens and communications happen before the Monday when the negotiating window opens. And I suspect that the Patriots very surgically made sure that every dollar was being spent in a way where there wasn't uh, much of a gap between whatever the Patriots offered and whatever someone else was going to offer. The two contracts the Giants have signed in recent days between Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson, these, these guys combined to play in eight games last year. Combined. Between two of them. Eight total games. And you look at over $100 million in contractual value. And I know with Galladay, there was no one else offering close to $18 million a year. I don't know who the Giants were competing against to get him. The, the next closest that I'm aware of is the Bengals at 13. With Jackson, I don't know who else was in play and for how much, but I have a feeling that they overshot with that as well. You know, sometimes teams just like, let's get it done. We, we, can't, we can't play this game of who else is out there. We may lose the guy. But that's the difference between the Patriots and the Giants to me. I suspect the Patriots got the best possible deal they could with every guy they signed, and I'm just kind of surprised that so much money changed hands with Galladay and Jackson, given the injury issues that kept them to, to such relatively small playing time last year. I talked to Mike Tannenbaum uh, last week on my podcast, and he said, let's talk two weeks from now. He said, I think I could build a playoff team 
from the number of free agents, quality free agents that are still going to be out there. And I'm looking at the list now, and I think we're all a little surprised by the number of guys who've been signed. There's not that many quality guys left. Everybody has an asterisk, I think, next there, whether it's age or coming off injury. Are there one or two guys out there now who you think are going to be the next choose to drop for a decent-sized contract? Well, you know, we've seen now that, that guys like Sammy Watkins are are being brought in for visits, but I don't expect him getting any, anything more than a one-year, $6, 7000000 million deal, given his injury history. Giant contracts, I just don't think they're out there this year. You know, it's, it's going to be, for most of these guys, a one- or a two-year thing. And if I was the player, I would want a one-year deal, and I would want to get right back at it next year when the salary cap begins going up again. You know, even though the cap's down $15 million, it was supposed to go up 10. It's gone up at least 10 every year since 2013. It's a $25 million gap. And, and yeah, there are plenty of recognizable names out there. They're going to get squeezed to take less. Now they may wait until training camp. They may wait until September. They may wait until October. They may wait beyond that. I've heard some speculation maybe guys will sit out the whole year, although one thing we know about the NFL, the train keeps rolling without you, and you quickly become out of sight, out of mind as far as the NFL is concerned. And I think even a guy who isn't happy with what he's offered, if he wants to try to get a good deal next year, it's in his best interest to find a place to play this year. Last question for you, Mike. Draft. Um, We've been hearing Adam Schefter say there's going to be four quarterbacks in the first seven picks. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum told me he thought in the first eight we were going to see four quarterbacks go. Um, You work with Chris Sims, and and he he has a very different quarterback ranking than some other guys. I I believe um, it was Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. Am I correct there? Yeah, he's got Zach Wilson at number one. He, he, He still thinks the Jaguars could and will and should take Trevor Lawrence, but he's got Wilson at one. What what's going to be in your mind? I'm asking you to be a soothsayer here a little bit, but maybe somebody who moves in to that first uh, six or seven picks, or, or or somebody who picks a quarterback that you didn't expect to pick a quarterback. Well, look when you when you watch what the Bears and Washington have done over the past week by adding veterans at one year, ten million dollar contracts in Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andy Dalton, that removes the glaring watch us take a quarterback sign that otherwise would be attached to them when we start getting through the teams. And, and the question becomes, how many guys survive the first five, six, seven picks? How many quarterbacks are left? How many guys are sliding down the board? And I, I think that, you know, the teams most likely to surprise us are the teams where we think they have their situation taken care of. And they've got a one-year Band-Aid starter at a relatively reasonable price for a starter those are the teams that I would be watching if there's some guy they love. And, of course, they need to keep their mouths shut or put out misinformation. They don't want anyone to know exactly what it is they're thinking. But I'd watch those teams where we know there isn't an answer beyond this year, and the answer for this year is still a little bit tenuous. I think those are teams that potentially could move. But, you know, hey, there's three types of teams in the NFL, teams that have franchise quarterbacks, teams that are desperately looking for franchise quarterbacks, and teams that have a guy that they're not quite sure whether or not he's going to be a franchise quarterback. And there's a lot of teams in category number two. Yeah. Even teams that have starters, they don't have franchise quarterbacks, and they're always looking for that guy. And one team I think that falls into that category is the New England Patriots right now picking at 15. They have Cam coming back for a year. A lot of people pegging maybe Mac Jones to go there. Um, talking to somebody earlier today said they wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones fell out of the first round, but 
I just, for all the quarterback thirsty teams, I know Mac Jones doesn't knock your socks off, but I would be shocked if he fell out of the first round, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, he, he's the kind of guy who, once he starts creeping down through the 20s, there'll be somebody who swoops in to the bottom of the round to get him and to get that fifth-year option on his contract, something we've seen happen regularly, really, since the, the 2011 CBA that, that made every round but round one a four-year contract and gave that fifth-year option, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, Guys go late in round one because it gives the team more flexibility. So I, I'd be stunned if Jones falls out of round one. There are people who think he still goes top ten. So, uh, wow. But that's part of the fun of it. And, you know, quarterbacks are what drive the league, and there's so many great young quarterbacks. There's even more reason now to fully and completely vet the young quarterbacks coming in. We're a long way removed from Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder <laughs> taken 8, 10, and 12 in 2011, and that was a true roll of the dice. They know these quarterbacks a lot better now than they ever have before. Mike Florio, you still you able to do everything from home in West Virginia? I have not traveled on business since the Combine in 2020. How about Ooh. that? Wow. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, ask my wife that question, and <laughs> you'll, you'll get the answer quickly. Uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, Pro Football Talk Live, Pro Football Talk PM. Uh, you start the day and you finish the day right here on Peacock with Mike Florio. Uh, highly recommend you check him out. Obviously, you've been uh, going to his site if you're a football fan like myself for 20 years now. Mike, congratulations on the success, my friend, and uh, hey, thanks for being there. I mean, li- literally, I feel like I... I, I check your site as much as I, I check my uh, stock portfolio uh, on, on a daily basis these days. I'm very excited about it. Well, hey, that, that's very good. And, and you can never lose money by checking my website. <laughs> <laughs> you may not make much, but you're not going to lose any. I feel a lot better checking Pro Football Talk. Thanks, Mike. See you. He's great. That's a good point. It's a bad habit, as we were talking about, Brockman, when you make these little tiny investments and you're, oh, maybe this will grow. Maybe this will grow. But that's what, that's what teams are trying sure to do is, now. Man. Sure yep. is. They're trying to make these investments, and they're not so tiny in these quarterbacks. And Mike made a great point. Yeah, we have come a long way since Blaine Gabbert and Jake Locker and those guys that were drafted in the first round and obviously didn't have success in the NFL. However, the hit rate on first-round quarterbacks is still 50% at best. At best. So exactly. let's, you know, you talk about these four guys that are going to be drafted. You talk about Mac Jones. Mike Florio just said Mac Jones could still be a top 10 pick. That would be five quarterbacks going in the first 10 picks of the draft. The Cowboys pick 10th. Maybe Mac Jones ends up in Denver. Carolina pick an eighth. If Schefter's right, and there are four quarterbacks taken in the first seven picks, that leaves quarterback needy teams. Carolina and Denver at eight and nine, thinking about maybe taking Mac Jones. So out of those five guys, you're going to have two flops. You could have three failures. You really could, man. Yes. Just look at the names that he mentioned: Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, yeah. Blaine Gabbert. All those guys went in the top fifteen. Yeah, and all all guys that I, I looked at, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, they, yeah, they could be pretty man. good. Bill, you know, I remember seeing Blaine Gabbert in person for the first time Looks when he great. was a, when he was a backup in Tennessee. Looks the part. He's an Adonis. Yeah, that dude is six five. Yeah, chiseled. He's got the locks. He had, he's a handsome man. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there, there's a couple of guys. When I was doing the Daily Show, NFL Total Access, and NFL Network, there were only two guys that walked into that makeup room, and you would look around at them. 
the makeup ladies, and he would say, like, jaws dropping, right? Two guys, okay? Brady Quinn. Yeah. Brady Quinn. David Carr. And David Carr was a regular. Still there. I I hated going in there with David Carr. (laughs) Tough two shots. No no good. No good. But Blaine Gabbert's that guy. So they looked apart. And maybe I'll be, you know, maybe because there's no combine, you don't get to do all the poking and the prodding. It's, oh, man, look at this guy. Look at how the – look at – this just always cracks me up. And I've heard this from a lot of really smart people. And you'll hear this about guys on pro days. You might hear this about Mac Jones uh, at Alabama today. Oh, man, I really love the way the ball leaves his hand. Yeah. I could just, man. It flies way, out of his hand. Yeah, I mean, he can spin it. <laughs> yeah, spin it. Did you watch any games this year? Does the ball leave his hand differently during pro day than it did against Tennessee or Florida or Ole Miss? No, I don't get that. The ball leaves his hand the same way. And by the way, you want to see how the ball leaves his hand when somebody's running at him who weighs 260 pounds Runs and can he move five. the pocket? Yes. Who cares yeah. how the ball leaves his hand on pro day? It drives me crazy. <laughs> For receivers, this... the gauntlet doesn't do anything? Come on. No, this the is going to be good. Exactly. This is going to be good maybe with no combine. I love the combine now, no. but maybe this will be, be good because guys will actually watch more tape. Yep. All right, sorry, that, that was my rant. Dan Helley feeling it on the Rich Eisen Show. I, bad news for you if you're listening. I'm not going anywhere for another two hours and 15 minutes. We're back after this. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side, helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back on the Rich Eisen Show, Dan Helley filling in once again, Chris Brockman, Mike Del Tufo, TJ Jefferson. In the hizzle. What's going on over there, man? I feel like we got baby in the corner. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the best spot in the house because you're on the you're on the putting green. You get to hang out next to the leaderboard. You know, if I get bored, I'll just start putting a little bit, you know. And, uh, you know, I get to sit back and watch and observe and just interject when necessary. What have you observed so far today? Ah, uh, man. Well, I observed Brockman and I uh, earlier in the show looking at these Panini baseball cards. You guys are basketball so cards, cards now. Yeah. That, uh. Are quite it's, expensive, and we're, we're contemplating though, buying these things. You know what the thing is, Dan? I think what it is like we are a as a culture, we're really into nostalgia, of course. And so I think this just kind of takes you back, 
the the way the cards are going now in the industry. You hear Gary V talk about it time and time again. It just kind of takes you back to when you're a kid, and it was so fun. And you go down to the Five and Dime, the Ben Franklin, the grocery store. You spend a couple of bucks, whatever your allowance was that week, and you pull a couple packs, hoping to get Ken Griffey Jr., hoping to get Will Clark or Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, those types of guys. Hey, for me, it was Dave Kingman, Tom Seaver, and Tug McGraw and yeah, guys like that. exactly. So, I, I don't know. It just kind of takes you back now. Like you've got kids. I've got a son now. And it's just like something you can kind of do yeah. with them and kind of feel that and, and reconnect to that time in, in your day when you had a lot of fun. You didn't have any cares in the world, and it's cool. It just kind of costs more now. So, well, it costs more. It costs a lot more now. A lot and that's more the thing that's kind of crazy is, I remember one of the cards that I had that I thought was was really good was the uh, the Mark McGuire Olympic card. Yeah, you remember yeah. that? You remember that? Nineteen eighty five. Yeah, and I have where I live now, not a big house, so I have to have a storage unit to keep a lot of stuff. You know, we moved out from the East Coast, had a little more room, so course, we have a storage course, unit. Of course. In the storage unit are my shoe boxes of football and baseball cards, and they're still in there, and. I'm like maybe I'll maybe I'll go check them out. Maybe I'll see what I have. I I know a few of them, but obviously they're not nice enough to where I'm keeping them in a climate controlled uh, environment. You know, all in cases. So maybe that'll be a disaster when I get there and check them out. But I feel like I'm setting myself up for disappointment because some of those old cards that you expect to be worth a lot yeah. aren't, aren't really worth that much. Whereas these new cards that come out, you get a Jaw Morant, you know, gold emblazoned, <laughs> you know, autographed card. It's like $5,000. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, like, reading all these people, Darren Ravel talks about it a lot, and a Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant, they're boardroom breakers. They're super into it as well. Um, it's all about uh, supply. So in the 80s and early 90s, there was way too many, and yeah. you didn't know how many of each card was produced. And now what, what Panini has done, which is actually super smart, and it's driven up the cost a lot, they stamp. All these exclusive cards are stamped, whether it's, to 250 to 199 to 10 and then the super exclusive you see the prices on these Luka Doncic's the the, mm -hmm. the logo auto that's a one of one so it's you know that it's the only one in existence and that's why some of these are you know selling at auctions for the prices that they're getting it's it's, it's astronomical it's insane but it's super fun yeah, well, I, I may have to get back into it a little bit. I, like I said, I, I feel like I'm setting myself up for disappointment because I'm going to buy the one card that goes down. Speaking of disappointment, I did a uh, I did a fantasy baseball draft last night. You did? And Mine is this weekend. I have not um, followed baseball quite as much as I used to when I would cover the Nationals you know, on a regular yeah. basis yep. um, in the D.C. area. And they give you, uh, they give you a grade afterwards on CBS Sportsline. That's the site that we did it on. And uh, I got a C plus. Oh, damn. And it was just so I got so many questions. I got so many questions. It was so disheartening. How many teams? Uh, there's only eight teams because I feel like as you get older, guys have less time that they want to devote to, you know, and fantasy baseball, things. You football, really... Football's easy. And I'm a huge fan now of, of daily fantasy because you can have a bad week and it doesn't affect your next week. You can start yeah. over, which I love, right? And I also have several season-long fantasy teams and do a fantasy football show on DirecTV. So I, I love fantasy in general. But baseball fantasy, you have to be dialed. You have to be ready to go. You have to change Fact. that lineup two to three times a week. Fact. And there's so many more guys. You know, I had, I had the number one pick. I picked Garrett Cole. It's a pitching-heavy league, right? Okay. So okay. There, there, there'll, be, there'll be 30 starting pitchers that get over, a, you know, 900 points. There's only going to be... 
five offensive players to get over 900 points. So it's right. a starting pitcher heavy league. Right. But anyway, I got my grade. and so I had Garrett Cole first overall? Yeah. Not Acuna, not Tatis, not no. your boy it's, Juan Like Soto. I said, it's pitching heavy. So like to, yeah. to the point, like like the projections, uh, Acuna is going gonna to get 1,100 points. Garrett Cole is going to get 1,500. So it's just kind of a no-brainer. Okay. You know, uh, yeah, you, no-brainer. You, you, out of your first five picks, you're no going to draft three to four starting pitchers. So Snake pitchers. coming back, who'd you get in the second and third round? Yeah, that was that was kind of the point. That was it that was, you were getting to. It wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when I went Gian- on Car- Giancarlo Stanton and stuff. Not like Starling Marte. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I, I, he was my second pick, but I had to I had to take my kid to practice, so I went on auto draft. Oh. That's, that's when things went bad. And when things start going bad, and like so, the third round, right? That's 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 when you know that's not going to be a great season. I've already given up. <laughs> you so already my, given up. My, Jenny, Jeff, my buddy Jeff Goodfriend runs the Fantasy Baseball League. Over. I've already given up, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I should have just bought some cards. Should have bought some Top Shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, what are we doing? How much? How much basketball did you guys watch when uh, when you got home yesterday after the show? Uh, all of it. Lots. Yeah, all of it. Love it. All of it. Even Love though it. a couple of the games were blowouts, I mean, I'm still dialed in. Also, I was putting together an, an IKEA dresser, so that <laughs> took about seven hours. So, with directions. Let me ask you about with the directions. When you put together something like that, is there is there enjoyment? Is there satisfaction? Uh, my son always used the term, he's 13, satisfying. He's like, that's so satisfying. Because I, I, I hate, I hate doing that. It's, it's so yeah. tedious and monotonous. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say, a lot of time I'll just bring the handyman in when there's other stuff to do. Hey, put the dresser for me, <laughs> together for me as well. Sam Amick coming up, senior NBA writer from The Athletic. We're talking hoops.